So there's a lot to get to today, and I mean a lot. So let's jump right into it. A couple of tidbits before we get started on the Celtics and the possible chase after Drew Holiday, then some Patriots-Cowboys talk. Uh, Patriots brought in defensive tackle Manny Jones to the practice squad yesterday, Six foot four, 290, athletic. He played four games in Arizona last year, obviously, with Daniel Equale going down for the season with that torn biceps. They needed some depth in the practice squad at that defensive tackle spot. So Manny Jones is the guy for now. Also, Patriots full practice yesterday. Everybody was on the field, including Devon Godchow and Cole Strange. Obviously, Godchow is a big piece. With Ekawale going down, they need all the defensive tackles, all the interior defensive linemen that they can get. So Godchow practicing yesterday, even in a limited fashion, is good news for the Patriots. And finally, the Cowboys are still missing three starting offensive linemen. Uh, they were out of practice yesterday. That is something that we absolutely want to keep an eye on as we draw closer to Sunday. All right, let's start with the Celtics, though. Want to dig in deep about this Damian Lillard trade and whether or not the Celtics should go after Drew Holiday. Obviously, you know the news by now. Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck. Drew Holiday, some other pieces shipped to Portland. And Giannis and Lillard have obviously been talking about this for quite a while. I read some reports that these guys had always kind of wanted to play alongside each other. Kind of funny. We didn't hear a lot of that during all the Miami talk. Uh, Miami's crying. Their salty tears are delicious. Get over it, Miami. Your assets just weren't good enough. As far as what this does for the Bucs, look, I think they're still about even with the Celtics. I think those two teams, they, they each have some questions. They each have a lot of strengths. The two top teams in the Eastern Conference, to me, are the Celtics and the Bucks. Not necessarily in that order. I think it's the tiniest of margins. We're talking about outside fringe type stuff when you compare the two rosters. They're two very, very good basketball teams. There are questions, though, about the Bucs. Yeah, I know people are going crazy, and Dame Dalla is a very fun player. I love watching the guy offensively. He is one of the best players that we have seen the last 10 to 20 years in the league. There's no denying the talent level of Dame Dalla. But there are questions. First of all, the Bucs are pretty old. Brooke Lopez is pretty old. Dame is pretty old. Chris Middleton is getting there. And as a matter of fact, when you talk about Dame, here's something I would love to tell all of the people that have been screaming about Chris Stapp's Porzingis, right? The media narratives, the echo chamber, even from some fans on X and other places worried about Porzingis's health. And it, look, it's a legitimate concern. I'm not telling you that I'm not wondering whether or not Porzingis is going to be healthy, but here is uh, here are some numbers that I dug up this morning that I, I found very fascinating. When the Celtics traded for Chris Stapp's Porzingis, all we heard was, man, he's brittle. He's never healthy. He doesn't play enough. How can you actually depend on a guy like that? When the Bucs traded for Dame Dalla yesterday, all I heard was, great pickup. Unbelievable. They did it for Giannis. Title favorites. This is a great move. I did not hear anybody talk about Damian Lillard's games played. I hadn't heard anybody mention how much Dame has actually sat the last three, four years. So here's a little did you know that we can have fun with. If anybody this season, or even before the season tips off, if anybody wants to bust the Celtics on Chris Stapp's Porzingis and his lack of availability, well, I think that person needs to look at Damian Lillard and his lack of availability. Here's something that might catch you by surprise. The last four years, the last four years, 
Damian Lillard has played 220 games. 220 games the last four years. How many games do you think Porzingis has played in those same four years? Well, people would lead you to believe it'd be like, what, 170, 180? If that, he'd be well behind Lillard? No. The last four years, Damian Lillard has played 220 games, and Kristaps Porzingis has played 216 games. One game per year difference. Lillard is 33 years old. Porzingis is 28 years old. It's funny, though, how nobody brought that up yesterday. Perception is a hell of a thing. Narratives are quite the thing. Echo chambers just ruin opinions and thoughts. Kristaps Porzingis has played a total of four less games than Dame Dalla over the past four NBA seasons. And people might say, oh, well, the Blazers were tanking. So Dame, he sat out some of those games. He was probably healthy. Oh, and the same didn't happen for Porzingis from Washington. Very interesting, right? I didn't hear anybody bring that up yesterday. I haven't heard anybody talk about it. And we know that Dame has plenty of friends in the media. It pays sometimes to have friends in the media. It pays sometimes to be accessible to those people. It pays sometimes to be a rap artist and be popular and everybody loves you. But the facts are the facts. It's not to say that Dame is, is not going to be healthy this year. It's not to say that Porzingis is not going to get dinged up this year. All I can tell you is the last four seasons, four games played separate the two guys. Another issue, I think, for the Bucs with this trade is that you traded Drew Holiday. And I'm going to tell you right up front, I am a Drew Holiday fan. I'm a Drew Holiday fan boy, if you want to call me that. That's fine. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Love the guy. But he can defend, and he can defend at an elite level. And to subtract Holiday's defense and put Dame in there, look, Dame, again, is one of the best scorers we've ever seen, right? He's just terrific at shooting the basketball. He has unlimited range. We know all the things that Dame does well. Extremely competitive. Fights to the end. We know. But what he doesn't do is defend. And so you've moved from an elite defender in the backcourt to a guy who doesn't defend. And that is going to impact the team once you get to the postseason especially. So I think that the Bucs have some questions. Age, defense on the perimeter, and they're also thin. Their bench right now is Bobby Portis, Jay Crowder, who did nothing last year. They've got Beasley and Beauchamp. So they're not the deepest team in the world. And when you're older and you don't have a lot of depth, that could obviously cause some issues. I would also remind everybody that Adrian Griffin is a rookie head coach. And as much as people talk up Griffin, who knows? He might be great. He might be terrible. Nobody knows. It's like when a coordinator in the NFL becomes a head coach and everybody loves the coordinator. Oh, this guy's the next star. This guy's the next star. And then all of a sudden we quickly find out that that coordinator is a very good coordinator, but he wasn't necessarily built to be a head coach. Griffin might be excellent, but until he proves that, it's a question mark. So the Celtics, should they go after Drew Holiday? Abso-freaking-lutely. And they agree with me. The reports already tell us. The Celtics, Adam Himmelsbach from the Boston Globe, who is the most tapped-in reporter for the Celtics, that guy always knows what's going on. I don't know who his source or sources are, but he is solid. And Himmelsbach tweeted last night, that the Celtics were going to explore trading for Drew Holiday. And I think they absolutely have to explore it. They have to pick up the phone. They probably already have picked up the phone and talked to Portland. 
I would no doubt go after Drew Holiday. Now, what would it take? It's going to take picks first and foremost. The Blazers want picks. The Celtics have plenty of picks, including Golden State's pick this coming draft. Uh, And it might get even better a year or two down the road. I think many people overlook the value of that Warriors pick that the Celtics were able to acquire a few months ago. I think that value of that pick is pretty damn high. Pretty high. So you've got that pick. You've got your own picks. You've got a ton of second round picks. So the first thing is the picks and how many it's going to cost you to trade for holiday. Then you've got to find the money. That's maybe where some Celtics fans get Ajita. I think Celtics fans are okay with the idea of trading draft picks for Drew Holiday. But when I mention Al Horford, some of them go, oh, no way. No way am I going to trade Al Horford. When Robert Williams is mentioned, oh, my God, you're out of your mind. Robert Williams, no way are we going to trade the Time Lord. Malcolm Brogdon's brought up, well, yeah, okay. (laughs) Thanks, Malcolm. Thanks for your services. But you're looking at a deal where it's Malcolm Brogdon and one of Al Horford, Rob Williams. That's the money of this. That's how you make the money work. You might have to throw in like a Luke Cornett, but that's how you make the money work. Al or Rob plus Malcolm Brogdon and picks. That's what it would take to trade for Holiday. And I would be in on that. I honestly would be in on that if I were Brad Stevens. Now, two conditions. Because I understand the risks involved here. Your big man depth is really hurting once you trade one of Al or Rob Williams. There's no doubt about that. But Blake Griffin is still out there. I wonder if Griffin, if he knew he was going to play a little bit more, maybe you go out there, you get Griffin. He has defended Giannis pretty damn well over the last couple of years. So if you have the inside track or you feel pretty good that you can acquire, bring in a big man before the season tips off, I'd be even more for this deal because then as the season goes along, you can continue to add. You've got pieces, right? Guys will get bought out. You've got, you know, TPEs to use to bring in bigs. It's not like your roster is set. That's it. You're done. On September, what is it? 28th. You can continue to build your roster. So yeah, right now, if you dealt one of Al and Rob, you look at it, go, man, oh man, now you've got Chris Stapps, and the one guy left over out of those two for your bigs, you don't feel great. But I have a lot of confidence and trust in Stevens that he would be able to add a big man or two as the season went along. He'd be able to address the needs. I also wouldn't be willing to give up three first-round picks for Drew Holiday. I would love to give away one first-round pick in a couple of seconds. If it takes another first-round pick down the road, I'd entertain it. I don't know if I'd say no to that, but three first round picks to me is it's just, that's too much. So you got to somewhat limit the picks. And I have to know that Brad Stevens is going to be able to work on bringing in another big or two to address the depth need there. Once you trade one of Al or Rob Williams. So here's why I would make the deal for drew holiday. Number one, we all have to realize this is like a two-year window for the Celtics. And I know that Jason Tatum's 25, and I know Jalen's like 26. I understand they're young, but it's a two-year window because of the new CBA. And you're going to have Jalen Brown's new extension kick in next year. 
And then you're going to have Jason Tatum's ridiculous contract extension, not in ridiculous as he doesn't deserve it, ridiculous as in holy crap, that's a lot of money extension. You're going to have his extension kick in the year after that. And now you're going to have two guys on your team that are making more than $100 million collectively per season. The new CBA has all of these penalties. Once you reach the apron, the second apron, and all of that stuff, you'll lose a, a bunch, a bunch of resources that you can use to supplement your team once you reach a certain level money-wise on that cap. So I think it's going to be very difficult to carry both Brown and Tatum two years from now if you want to include guys like Derek White, Rob Williams, and, and somebody else. Yeah, you, you, you could probably, I mean, financially, you definitely could keep Tatum and Brown. But then what else do you have? You, you're not going to carry Tatum, Brown, and Porzingis. I can guarantee you that. So we're looking at a two-year window. And Drew Holiday makes you better right now. Drew Holiday makes you the favorites in the East, in my eyes. If you acquire Holiday, you're better than the Bucs. It's not even or close to even anymore. You bring in Holiday, you are the favorites. If you have Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Chris Stapps Porzingis as your starting five, you are the clear favorites in the conference. You are the clear favorites to get to the finals for the second time in three years. So it's a two-year window. Do everything you can to be the best. It also helps reset the books after this season. Brogdon's contract off the books. Al's contract off the books. Drew Holiday has a player option. He's going to say thanks, but no thanks to that player option. He will be a free agent next year. Now, of course, that begs the question, are you willing to give up what you have to give up for a guy who might be a rental? And again, I say it's all about Banner 18. It's all about winning championships. If Drew Holiday makes you a better team, which I think he does, if he gives you a better chance to win a title, then you pull the trigger and you deal with the other stuff later on, even if he's a rental. So the money comes off the books. You can maneuver some things. You're showing JT and JB, both Brown and Tatum, that you are willing to do whatever it takes to win. You, you are willing to do everything with every fiber of your being to try to win a championship. You have established that level, and you are not going to do anything other than continue to establish that level and go after a title. And that means a lot to those two guys. You have to make sure that you're showing them that you're a franchise that is desperate to win, wants to win, and will do anything to win. And a move like this would do that. How about perimeter defense? Let's talk about on the floor. Perimeter defense, huge plus. You get that back with Holiday. We all know that this team is not going to be as good defensively on the perimeter without Marcus. We've all accepted that. Some have embraced it. Others haven't. But Drew Holiday will be that guy that you plug and play in the space of smart, and he's somebody who can defend. He can defend multiple positions, not as well as smart, but Drew Holiday is a big guy, a bigger guard. He's strong, and he's able to defend one through three. So your defense gets so much better with Holiday on the perimeter. And, yes, you give up some of that defense with Al or Rob, but up top you're fine, and with Porzingis – who's a very good defender, he's a very good rim protector at this stage of his career, you still have that rim protector. And then if you look defensively, I mean, think about that defensive five. 
Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kristaps Porzingis. You do not have a single weakness defensively if all guys are actually focused and playing defense like they can. You do not have a single weak link in your starting five defensively. That team defensively and offensively is very tough. Drew Holiday is now your fourth option offensively. Derek White is your fifth option offensively. Bananas. It's a bananas starting five. Every single one of those guys can shoot from three. Tell me how you defend. You can run so many different pick and roll actions with all those guys. How do you defend that? Good luck. Very difficult. Holiday and White on the perimeter defending, tough. Holiday's won a championship too. You know, he's got championship medal. He's been there. He's done that. If you're concerned about Marcus Smart and that kind of toughness, edginess, you get that in Holiday. He's not as edgy. He won't be doing some things that Marcus does. But you you don't lose that. You, you know, you, you, you don't lose that kind of guy in the locker room that will step up. He'll step up and he'll give you what you need. That's critical. And you also get away from the malcontent with Malcolm Brogdon. You don't know what's going on with that situation. It might be time to move on from him. And if it is time to move on from him, then you make this deal and you don't have to worry about much at all. All right, let's jump to uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Let's start digging into this matchup between the Cowboys and the Patriots coming up on Sunday. Like, rate, review. Uh, also, subscribe. Don't forget Apple Pods, Spotify, and, of course, on YouTube. We love the comments. We love all of the support you have given us. Uh, it has been truly, truly fantastic. Uh, every single one of you that have commented, that have liked, that have helped this program so far, we appreciate you. All right, Dallas. Dallas is talented, no doubt. Uh, but we also have to ask the question, who the hell have they played? They've played the Giants, the Jets, and the Cardinals. The Jets, of course, with Zach Wilson. We just saw that bleep show on Sunday last week, which means the Cowboys have played Daniel Jones, who I'm not as high on as other people are. They've played Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Josh Dobbs. Okay, let's compare that to the Patriots, who have played Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, and Zach Wilson. I would say the Patriots clearly have had the tougher schedule so far this season. Combined three and six record for the Cowboys opposition so far. Dak was excellent against the Jets, and we just saw how good the Jets' defense was. He was 31 of 38, 255, two touchdowns, no picks against the Jets. But there's a huge issue. There's a huge issue for the Cowboys, and there's a huge issue, especially the last two weeks for the Cowboys, and that is their red zone play. They have been dreadful in the red zone. They are the 27th red zone offense in the league through three weeks. They have converted only 40% of their red zone possessions to touchdowns, only 40%. Bottom five in the league. The last two weeks, they've been even worse. The last two weeks in the red zone, the Cowboys are three for 11. That's awful. I'm not a mathematician, but uh, that's what, less than like 30%. Last time I checked, three for 11 the last two weeks. So what's going on? Well, John Makata of The Athletic wrote about it this week. He wrote, last week, two of the Cowboys' final three drives reached the Cardinals' four and six-yard lines. Cowboys came away with zero points. Imagine that, getting to the four and the six and getting zero points out of it. Sandwiched between that was a drive that got to the eight-yard line and ended with a 26-yard field goal. And four trips to the red zone, all inside the 10. 
The Cowboys came away empty-handed twice and with field goals the other two times. Now, I want you to think about this. And the Cowboys, in their nine red zone drives that did not end in a touchdown, okay? So the nine drives in the red zone that did not end in a touchdown, they have had ridiculous field position within the red zone. Think about it. From the two-yard line, failed. The 17-yard line, failed. The three, the eight, the 12, the eight, the four, the eight, and the six. So not only is red zone offense an issue, they have been deplorable inside the 10-yard line. This team has just been incapable of scoring touchdowns when they get to the red zone, especially the last two weeks, even when they're inside the 10. Now, why is that? Number one, no Zeke Elliott. He happens to be a Patriot, as we all know by now. Uh, Zeke, the last two years, had 70 red zone carries. So that was their go-to guy when they get to the red zone. Hand the football off to Zeke, let him pound it. 70 red zone carries the last two years for him. So they lost their top guy that they gave the football to run-wise. And then Dalton Schultz was their top target inside the red zone as a pass catcher. And Schultz is no longer with the Cowboys. He's now in Houston. As a matter of fact, Schultz was number one on the team in red zone targets last season. So you lost your top runner in the red zone, and you lost your top pass catcher in the red zone. These are issues. They have not been able to overcome. They don't have any big bodies at wide receiver, tight end, or running back. They have skill position guys with some speed that are good in space, but they don't have anybody that can physically dominate inside the 20, inside the 10. That's been a big issue for them. Here's something crazy to think about. The last time that Dak threw a touchdown to a wide receiver was the fourth quarter of last season's wild card game. Dak Prescott has not thrown a touchdown to a wide receiver. It's insane. 16 consecutive quarters. Four games worth. Quarterback hasn't thrown a touchdown to the receiver. Any receiver. For four straight games. For the Cowboys. It's a problem. It's a big time problem for them. Again, good in space. But they're limited. And, you know, just not as physical as you need to be to be a consistent red zone offense. Another problem is Dak Prescott, he just doesn't run as much as he used to. Ever since he fractured his ankle, he runs less, which takes away another red zone option. Another problem is Mike McCarthy is now your offensive coordinator. He's calling the plays instead of Kellen Moore last couple of years. And McCarthy loves to run the football. And his pattern of calls, we'll get into this a little bit tomorrow, his pattern of calls are detrimental to this offense. You know, for the most part, what he's going to do. So you just have a bunch of different issues that create the biggest issue here for the Cowboys. Patriots red zone defense has not been great. They're 22nd in the league. The biggest question to me on Sunday is whether or not that Patriots defense will be able to contain Dallas's offense when Dallas gets to the red zone. They should be able to because Dallas has been so bad there. Inexplicably bad. Like, rate, review. Don't forget to subscribe as well. We're on Apple Pods. We're on Spotify. We're also on YouTube. Every thumbs up means an awful lot to us. More eyeballs. That's how the, uh, the algorithm works uh, is, you know, those thumbs, those thumbs up helps us an awful lot. All right, let's wrap things up here with another thought about Cowboys Patriots. The 2023 season changes if the Patriots win on Sunday. The expectations change. 
you know, through the first three weeks, not many surprises. I thought they would be one and two. They're one and two. I thought that their defense would be good enough and look like a top 10 defense. Their defense has been good enough and has looked like a top 10 defense. I knew their offense would have some issues. I knew the offensive line wouldn't gel right away because of the health and the lack of snaps they got in the preseason. None of that stuff is necessarily surprising. The offense hasn't been great. The defense has been pretty damn good. They're one and two. The offensive line is figuring it out on the fly. None of that should surprise us. But the Dallas Cowboys are a contender. They're seen as one of the better teams in the league. They're seen as one of the most talented teams in the league. The pundits across the country have picked them to go to the playoffs, if not go on a very deep playoff run. If you beat the Cowboys on Sunday, if you beat that talent, if you beat them at Jerry's World, good old Jerry, if you win this game on Sunday, the expectations around the Patriots, they change. Because now all of a sudden, you're 2-2 two and two, coming off of a win against the Cowboys in Dallas. And now you look at it and you say to yourself, oh, wait a minute. Okay, so they played Philly really tough in week one, had a golden opportunity to win that game and didn't. They limited a crazy Miami offense to 24 points. They went to the Jets, and yes, it was a tough game to watch, but they took care of business, defense balled out. They beat the Jets on the road, and then they go to Dallas back-to-back road games, and they beat that very talented Dallas team. That's what people are going to be saying if the Patriots win on Sunday by Monday. That's what you will hear. You'll see all the national people talk about, are the Patriots sneaky good? Watch out for Bill Belichick. It is going to be amazing to witness if the Pats win this game on Sunday, how quickly it all changes. Two weeks ago, people were wondering if Belichick was going to be gone. They win on Sunday. Watch out. (laughs) That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how those narratives work. Oh, they beat the Jets in bad weather against that really tough defense. Oh, they played Philly tough and and could have, should have won that game. They limited Miami, and now they go and beat the very talented Dallas team in Jerry's world. That's what the narratives will be. That's what people will be saying next week. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, that's what people will be saying if the Patriots win on Sunday. If you beat Dallas on Sunday, the old WL record game changes too, right? We all know that, right? You look at the schedule, that's a W, that's an L, that's a W, that's an L, that's an L, that's an L, that's a W, 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 L, L, L. That game, that game changes because people will look now and say, wait a minute, hold on. If they can beat Dallas in Dallas, we have to reevaluate this schedule thing because maybe they're better than we thought they were going to be. You're going to hear a lot of that, a lot of reassessing of what this team is capable of looking at games down the road, looking at the Buffalo game, saying, oh, well, maybe they can at least split with Buffalo. Crazier things have happened. Start hearing that stuff. If you finish 2-2 two and two through the first quarter of the season, that would be meaningful because this offense, again, is not a great offense. I don't anticipate this offense being great. However, You'd have to look at this and say, wait a minute. So the offense isn't great, but somehow, somehow, some way, they finished the first quarter of the season at two and two, even though they played three of the best defenses in football. Philadelphia is the one of the best defenses in football. The Jets are a very good defense. If healthy, they're one of the best defenses in football. 
And the Cowboys, again, Trayvon Diggs is out. That absolutely impacts them. But Dallas is still a very talented defense. So somehow, some way, the Patriots cobbled together a 2-2 two and two record with an offense that is still searching for answers. And you're going to feel pretty damn good. So a win on Sunday would fundamentally change the way people look at this Patriots team. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Should be a fun game. Should be a fun game. Aside from breaking news tomorrow, of course, we're going to dive super deep into the Patriots-Cowboys matchup. I've been working on tons of notes. I've got all numbers kind of straightened out. I've got some key matchups. I'm sure we'll have some things for you that uh, will, will fascinate the mind. So Patriots-Cowboys full preview going to happen tomorrow. If breaking news happens, we'll be all over it. Until then, be well.